you know what the miracle of this whole thing is? Is that this movie got made, period. I hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame, access. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the camp, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress. We're late, but we're here, damn it, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. We're going to purge you guys. Oh, you don't even know. I, there's, there, was a very, uh, there was a very female warriors kind of thing almost happening uh, <laughs> in that flick that we'll talk about. A little bit, yeah. Uh, so, man, yeah, we got a we got a jam-packed show. It's a little bit off from normal because uh, we had some technical issues uh, on uh, Preacher. So we had that delay today, and then I had to catch a movie to get all the movies that we had today in. So we're a little bit late, but hey, man, we don't not do a show. Even yeah, it's, we, it's coming your way, bro. And even those odd weeks that we like, uh, super rare that we don't do one, we do two in one week, so shut up. <laughs> we get them all in there, man, because... Uh, but we're also going to talk about how... Literally th- no one complains. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop the non-complaining. Uh, but there there may be a little bit of a hitch in the plan of this podcast, and we're going to talk about that at the top of the show a little bit, because... Uh, you guys are about to hear some. Uh, we're, we're about to purge some feelings ourselves here, and uh, yeah. we're going to talk about that for a couple of minutes. Uh, this week, we're going to be reviewing uh, three new releases. We got Tarzan. We have the Purge uh, Election Year, and uh, we're going to finish it all up with uh, the new one from Spielberg, the BFG, uh, based on the Roll Tall book. Uh, so let's 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 kind of let's get into it, Matt. Yeah. So uh, we, we've got our email. So for, for those of you that don't know, and we've mentioned it on the show from time to time, Matt and I, uh, you guys are like, oh, man, they see a whole lot of you know new releases all the time. That sure gets expensive. Sure as shit it does. And uh, so for a little over a year, Matt and I have both been on the, uh, the movie pass train. Now, for those of you that don't know, movie pass is kind of like Netflix for like actual theater movies and everything. You pay a certain uh, amount of money. In this case, it's usually around 40 bucks. Uh, You can see a brand new release film uh, every single day, as long as you see it, you know, within 24 hours of the last viewing that you've seen. So, i.e., if you see one on six o'clock on a Wednesday, it'll be six o'clock on a Thursday before you can see your next movie. And as long as you're not repeating the movie that you've seen, you're fine. Doesn't really work for, uh, you know, like 3D movies or IMAX movies. Uh, They did a couple of test marks where you could do all of those, but there's that never really rolled out to uh, uh, the entire country as a whole. Uh, So recently, they've uh, sent out a batch of emails and everything. They got a new uh, CEO who was the former CEO, or I don't know if he's a former CEO. He's a former Netflix guy. That much I know. Yeah, one of the co-founders. Yeah. Uh, And and here's the here's the weirdest thing uh, to me about it. We'll we'll uh, break down what these emails say in just a second. But they announced uh, some time ago that there was going to be some pricing changes, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that they said about it, including their blog post, said that there was going to be a a lower tiered option and a higher tiered option. 
but the lower tier was going to be probably 1999 or 2999 mm-hmm. right and then they announce uh i think a few days after that uh that this new ceo was coming on board mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the pricing tiers are completely different than they had been telling their customers they were going to be yeah, they decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna cut out the middleman, uh, i.e., the people that are in the middle, the people that have the subscription right now for forty bucks a month, and you, like Matt and I see about you know three to four movies a week, and mm-hmm. just totally take a shit on them, and then say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna burn the people that we have who aren't profitable for us. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yes, is people like you and I who've been paying forty dollars a month to go and we see you know four to five movies a week or so. We're the people that are unfucking profitable for this comp- company. Their main goal is for you to pay uh, initially, and I can tell you this right off the bat because it, I don't think that they would almost even make any uh, claims to the contrary. Uh, their mm. goal was to say, "Hey, we're going to have you pay forty bucks a month. Maybe you'll go once a week, maybe twice a week, but that's it. And the majority of the money, or maybe you just won't even go at all a couple of weeks. And then they'll keep retaining the money that they get because they don't have to cash it in because you don't go to the movies. Uh, so people like Matt and I, and the majority of the people who have this system, and the reason they got it is because guess what? Going to the movies is fucking expensive sometimes. If you, especially if you go on non-matinee pricing and things like that, in the majority of the country." Uh, yes, indeed. So they were like, "Hey, man, uh, while Movie Pass is doing okay, it's not reaching the success that you know a company like it would want to get, right? So who do you, what do you do? You get one of the big bosses in there from one of the most successful uh, companies in the last you know fifteen years, right? Netflix. Netflix came on as just a DVD distributor, then transitioned to online, and is now literally the thing. I sell internet for a living. This is literally the thing that is on everyone's lips when they call in, what do you do on the internet? And the answer, invariably, is always Netflix. Always. So, so that's what, and, and so they're like, hey, man, so we'll get the guy who, uh, you know, who helped found Netflix and everything, have him come in here, write this ship, and really get it on. And his idea is, okay, we're going to cut out the people who are, like Matt and I, unprofitable. We're going to say we want churn and burn people who are going to come in for the low, low price of 20 to 60, 30 bucks a month, whatever the fuck it was that they're offering now. And then we're going to say, okay, you're, you're going to get some, hoping that you'll get maybe six movies a month for you know, well, non-premium so the, formats. So, the, so it's... So the premium format, right, is ninety nine dollars. Mm-hmm. That's a the month. big one, and and that's unlimited. Exactly how the plan it works now, except it's uh, also you can go see IMAX, you can go see three D, you can go see I assume RPX and all that other yes. shit. Now previously there had been an option for people in other areas for approximately fifty to sixty dollars. In, right. in test markets previous, that was not rolled out to the entire country. They're now right. saying that program is going to be ninety nine dollars. Yes, and so and so now that pro, the what what the lower price tier program is going to be is forty dollars a month mm-hmm. for six films a month, which is uh, not actually doable. Uh, like it doesn't make any sense for me. The theater that I go to, the goddamn ticket price, it, like for non matinees, is four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So forty dollars gets me more movies. Than than six, yeah. At that theater, just just going and buying the tickets myself, and there's no middle option, right? Like for fifty bucks, I would gladly just keep the service if I could just go to two D movies, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but a hundred dollars, like I'm a PhD student, a hundred dollars a month is twelve hundred dollars a year, 
my total income, and this might shock some people who think like, oh, PhD, whatever. What I make at school is $15,000 a year. And the other 15 he makes is just blowing other people in the backs of, you know, dirty old... No, it's fucking <laughs> debt to the goddamn federal government. That's true. You know, like, like I don't have $1,000 a year to spend on fucking movie pass, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and here, so, and so it's real, I feel like really fucking burned over this shit, man. Like, uh, like they don't give a fuck. They've said nothing, by the way. People are really pissed online. Uh, Movie Pass's web presence has been completely tight-lipped since all this started. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't responded to anybody's tweets. Uh, I think they're probably having to reconfigure even what they've already announced because people are so pissed about it. But like, there are a lot of people who. Like the reason we joined is because we can't afford to go see the three or four movies we want to see every weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and this makes that a non-existent uh, thing again. So we might as well not be fucking members. It became like Netflix, you know, because net like people like people that subscribe to Netflix digital right now, basically the price is so low they feel like what they're getting is free. Right. It's ten bucks a month, but at this point, for what they get for that ten dollars, it's like fuck. Netflix is free. Netflix isn't free. Netflix costs them ten dollars, but the price and for what they get for the exchange of that price makes it practically free for them. For us, yes. this was practically free. Paying forty dollars a month to go to the uh, the absurd amount of movies that we do is was like getting it for free. I never really like after my after two months, I never once thought again about that movie pass bill coming in the mail. I not, never, not, not at all. It because it just it automatically debited. It was it was that money, and then boom, we were gone. And I and I do what I do with the movies, and it was fucking great. And they decide to you know kick out the middle class here, and then you know get to the dummies who are going to just kind of churn and burn, and just kind of will come in there for a short time, either forget to renew their stuff properly or cancel out something properly, and get charged again. That you see that with premium channels and cable companies all the time. Hey, get HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, and Stars free for three months. Then you fucking forget about it, and then they charge you another $60 come that fourth month. They're hoping that's going to be the same for these people. Then they cancel out, and then the new batch comes in the revolving door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to... And here's the thing. like uh, The $100 a month, I- I'll be honest with you, I can't afford that, but I don't want to pay it. Yeah, that's, well, that's the I mean, worst it's part. just too high a price point for even what they're offering. Like, you would... In order for that to make sense as a price point, you would have to go see five or six IMAX films per month. Mm-hmm. And there are not five or six IMAX films that fucking come out every month. Nope. It just doesn't happen, right? Yeah, I guess I could go see every fucking movie in 3D, and that would make it worth it. But uh, I don't want to do that either, because I fucking don't give a shit about seeing movies in 3D most of the time. And and so, it, like, the price point is far too high. They, they, uh, I don't understand why there's not an option for unlimited non 3D or, or yeah. premium format. Have a third, just like have a just, third structure. Make, That's yeah, it. Just have a third fucking thing. Like, okay, so this one, st- say the six movies a month stays at 35, then you got a $50 or even fucking $60, I would probably do. 60 because would that's, still be okay. I'd still yeah. be okay with 60. I'll be honest. Because I, I see 12 movies a month, yeah. you know, so fuck it. 60 bucks, sure. $100? No fucking way, man. No fucking way. It just it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it is it's just it's a stupid thing that some they they get somebody in there who 
thinks that they know what they're doing. They've proven themselves on another business, and then they go in. It's just like, well, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Sure, you ran a successful business where you know you well, manufactured he, cars. Doesn't he, mean he you can... started a he started a successful business. He don't fucking run shit over there Good with point. Reed Hastings. Good point. Good point. But you know, you did. You came from a place that manufactured cars. You can't go in and go. Well, I can easily run a restaurant. It's not the same yeah. fucking thing. No, not at all. Uh, so if the format of this show changes, you'll know why. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. So Matt and I kind of texted back and forth on a little bit about this, and we're going to tweet this episode out to the Movie Pass people. Whether or not they listen, they probably won't because it doesn't seem like they're listening to a whole fuckload of anybody. Uh, but here's here's how you fix this. Um, fucking advertise your goddamn fucking program. There's no yeah. advertising for Movie Pass anywhere. When I tell people that it's a thing, it blows their fucking minds because they don't know it exists. There's so many podcasts out there. There are so many television programs. I've never seen one television commercial. I've never heard it once uh, plugged in a in a podcast. And I listen to a fuckload of podcasts that reach thousands upon thousands of people. I hear fucking Casper mattress ads more than I have heard movie pass out, uh, ads on mo- on sh- shows that fucking talk about movies that are reached by audiences that are you know I will go so far as to say hundreds of the times of our size of the audience that listens to yeah. us. I'm not saying that I want that money. Fuck that shit. I just want someone to fucking know about it. Well, so the thing I, that works can actually be out there. To- you know. What I want is for them to think about their fucking pricing problems that they're having. And why it just seems really suspicious to me that their projected pricing for these new plans went up a significant amount uh, after they announced this new CEO. Mm-hmm. So, so is it a hundred bucks because his salary is going to be so fucking big? Is that what's going on? One would one would speculate. I mean, I I assume that's part of the, what's going on, but like it's a significant bump over what they said it was going to be. Yeah. Especially that lower tier, they were they were really saying like we were going to aim for twenty dollars a month and that'll get you six movies, and that's a maybe for me, but uh, but it still like doesn't really make sense. It, it it's really stupid. I mean, and and I, like I, I I liken this to also to kind of what the people complained about on Netflix and stuff. For the longest time, Netflix streaming was like seven ninety nine. It jumped up uh, for everybody to nine ninety nine as of you know just recently, and people were bitching up and down about a two dollar fucking increase with that. When you're like you were paying, you know, that was long time overdue for them to bring that price up for the quality of service that you get. With this, um, it's not there. The quality of service reaching is not there to where if you go up and it's and this is a by a larger factor than two dollars. It makes a big fucking deal, and you guys are really fucking screwing the pooch on this, and it's 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 kind of infuriating to the people that have helped actually make your company fucking exist because there was a time when this company first started that it didn't have its fucking distribution shit right, and you could only go to, like, you know, two or three theaters in a town. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing when they first started. It, it took them two years before they got to a point where they knew what the hell they were doing and got around to every theater that was out there and allowed you to actually go to the movie theater that you wanted to as opposed to the one independent wacko one that you don't want to go to that doesn't even have the fucking movies you want to see, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's so dumb that they've, they've, they finally, by the time they finally get stuff rolling 
and they could be advertising and they could be getting it out there to people. Fucking advertise that shit as Netflix for movie theaters. You don't fucking do that. People don't know that you exist, and yet you go, well, let's go punish the people that have actually helped us be successful up until this point. That's a real fucking dick move. Well, I I think it's really um it's really telling that their Twitter handles both from MoviePass and their customer support handle, neither one of them have sent out an uh, a single tweet or reply since July 4th. They Not a the single f- thing. Of course, and I know, know people up. are out there tagging the shit out of them. And there's a lot of negative press coming up uh, because of this. I mean, over on... Uh, fuck, what's this website? Hold on. Um, so this, uh, this website, Geek Dad, which is a geek website for dads that I saw a friend of mine posting from the other day, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, I mean, the headline is just MoviePass makes their service less awesome. Yeah. Because that's what's going on, right? Um, but anyway, it's just, uh, it's bullshit, and uh, I don't know what we're going to have to do for the show. Uh, if it becomes like a, we choose uh, like one or two movies a week to see, I don't want it to be that. We're the only fucking show that does all the big and, shit. And here's the thing. It's like, I, I don't want to become, and now God bless him, and I listen to the show every week, but I don't want to become the Slash Filmcast who reviews one fucking movie, and then like you hear their like, little like, oh, well, I had, we could have gone to see this or this or this, but we didn't. We don't have those fucking excuses over here. We go see, uh, you know, just about every damn major new release least that there is out there we fucking you know bust our balls to do so uh for a small audience and we don't give a fuck about that i don't want to become the people that just go well here's the one thing that we thought that we might not fucking hate i don't want to become that i don't want to become the people that go and watch a movie that they know that they're probably predisposed uh, to actually fucking like i want to go see the fucking you know shitty nicholas sparks movie and take a dump on it because it fucking deserves it you know I, mm-hmm. I there's no goddamn way. Uh, spoiler alert: There's no fucking way I would have gone to see Tarzan this week at all had it not been for this show. Had it not been for Movie Pass, no fucking way that movie would have made a dime from me. Yeah, uh, because I, I just would not. I, who the fuck is interested in that? Nobody. And the box know. office fucking proved that shit. But the, but you know the thing about the just to like. I guess to wrap up this, yeah. the premium, the premium package is just, it's, it's ridiculous, right? At that, at that money, uh, you'd have to see, uh, like six or seven 3d movies and or IMAX films a month. And they're like, there just aren't even that many that get released at any given time. Go and check your multiplex. I know it seems like there's a shit ton of 3d movies out there, it's really not. but but after the first week of release, most movies that are released in 3D just go down to like a couple of 3D showings and then a shit ton of 2Ds. And that's it. They're not wasting the format because people are more likely to go on and, and if they're going to come that second and third and fourth week, they don't they don't want to see it in the 3D anyway. No, because that wasn't on their radar to begin with. Uh, so, so the thing that everybody wants is just not out there for, for this price. It's just not there. It's an absurd amount of money. They're pricing so many people out. I'm I'm curious as to um, how many people, like if if they will ever make up the revenue from how many people who are currently at 35 to 45, which is the prominent uh, proportion of the of the plans right now, right? Like New York is something like 45. Here in Atlanta, it's 35. Um, uh, they'll fucking drop in droves. 35 bucks is worth it. 99 is not. For $99, I can buy three movies a week. Yeah. Here's the thing. 
And I'll finish with this. Movie Pass, you can't fucking fix this. You, well, I, mean, I, I wonder if that's what they're doing because of all the backlash they're getting and why they haven't been fucking replying to tweets for five days now. No, four well, days now. no I, I'll be honest with you. I bet you I bet you a fucking dollar that they're digging in their heels. They don't give a fuck at this point because they're, they're, my guess is, especially coming with a new CEO on board and everything, you're not going to sit here and say, we fucked up right off the bat before you've even stepped up to the plate. You can't fucking do that. So they're going to dig their heels in. They're going to fuck themselves. Maybe they'll write the ship, or maybe the company will go up in a giant boat of fucking flames. But yeah, it's going to be one I or the other. I wouldn't doubt that this company tanks if this price point doesn't change. Uh, I, would, I would guess they'd tank in nine months. Yeah, fucking I mean, they, they, ne- they have never been that profitable. No, they haven't. Which and is the whole the whole thing they're trying to fix, right? But like, this is not the way to fix it. No, getting people to know that your service exists is the way to fucking help that stuff. Yep. All right, let's get into it. You got anything you've been uh, watching this week? Uh, yeah, I do. But um, mostly what I want to what I want to say is, uh, so I've been watching Lucifer. Finally, fucking finally. Is that a NBC? Uh, Fox. Fox. And uh, it's good. I'm about. I'm a little over halfway through. I'm going to try to finish it up over the weekend and, and talk about the whole series uh, over uh, on on this show next week. Um, so look out for that. Lucifer will be in your future. Um, the other thing I want to highlight, uh, instead of I was originally going to review Deathgasm, but I think I'll do that next week too. I want to point out that uh, it's it's started. It's July, and uh, film aficionados know what that means. As far as Barnes and Noble and Criterion, sun's out, guns out, motherfucker. I don't know. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, Barnes and Noble, fifty percent off Criterion sale has begun. Oh, and Adam this gets week. paid tomorrow. God damn it! But I got money now. But I'm just I'm waiting to like make it a magical payday. Uh-huh. <laughs> like so, it's payday. Let's spend some fucking money. So, um, what what's going on with the sale? It's online and it's in uh, stores. Is uh, Barnes and Noble selling Criterion all Criterion discs, including their big box set like Which the. Uh, is dope. Like the big uh, uh, bl- blind, yeah, the Zatoichi Blind Swordsman uh, box set, the uh, Jacques Tati uh, complete collection, uh, both of which are uh, over a hundred dollars. Uh, Jacques Tati, I think, is one thirty or one fifty on Blu-ray, but you can get it for like seventy bucks. Um, and then uh, Zatoichi, like I think, two. is damn near three hundred dollars, yeah. like two hundred and fifty or something. something yeah. And so, uh, you know, 50% off, $125, you got every film in the series. Um, huge, huge discount there. Yeah, huge discount there. I think it's something like 14, 15, 16 films. I forget how many exactly, yeah. but it's in the it's in the high teens. Um, but you're going to spend average, like, for, for a single disc release or even sometimes double, depending upon the era with which it was published, 20 bucks yeah. a pop for what is normally a $40 movie. Yes, indeed. And if you uh, have, uh, for whatever reason, a, a Barnes & Noble membership... Um, you know, which are $25 a, a year, by the way, uh, I'm not trying to upsell their shit, but, uh, but it benefits me because twice a year they do these, uh, criterion sales and that bad boy knocks them right down to 1799 a pop. Yeesh. So it's, it's worth it for the extra savings on that shit. Uh, cause I'll go in and buy like five or six of them. That'll be my 25 bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so it's going on and if I might, uh, recommend a recent disc, uh, the Harold Lloyd film from 1928, Speedy, mm-hmm. is really fucking good and worth your time. The disc is excellent and features uh, commentary from uh, um, 
fuck, uh, Scott McGee. I thought over you were at, Harold uh, Lloyd's Tur- Ghost. <laughs> no, at uh, at Turner Classic Movies, the head of their uh, oh, nice. original programming. So he he's a really smart and guy those, and and an Emory Film Studies alum. Oh, there you go. So, and those those uh, uh the, all the Harold Lloyd stuff usually come with like a good amount of shorts and other kind of stuff like that crammed all in there. So they're usually oh yeah the good the stuff. freshman set is uh, really terrific too. Uh, if you've never seen the Harold Lloyd, uh, actually like all three of them are really good. But Harold Lloyd's uh, the freshman is like one of the the classics of silent comedy. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Harold Lloyd was, uh, maybe you're like who the hell is this guy talking about? Uh, Harold Lloyd was like the third major uh feature silent comedian mm-hmm. uh, meaning he made features right um uh so it was buster keaton who was like the stunt man uh and then there was uh charlie chaplin who was more like uh, like your clown yeah. right you made more tramp. emotionally centered uh films and then uh harold lloyd was like your everybody uh, everyday man so all of his films basically take place in uh in like regular urban environments or suburban environments because it is the like start of suburbia a little bit there um but he's like your average small town s- small city boy uh his character is called the glasses character right that's what he referred to him as uh, and he's always named in all of the films like harold and and or his nickname is speedy or uh, slappy or some shit like that uh but He's an excellent comedian. Really terrific uh, films. These things. So, uh, Speedy is what I'll recommend if you're if you're out to spend like twenty bucks. Very nice. I gotta look. What's the? Uh, you heard any word on the uh, the new the new uh, Doctor Strange love they put down? I don't know what they've done with that. I mean, I've already got it on Blu-ray, so I'm I'm like I'm wondering. I haven't worth looked. a damn or not. I don't know. I have to do a little research. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, looked at uh, looked at it because I don't plan on buying it. Um, I, but, I, 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 but a I buddy of mine picked it up. Play. He said it's good. I just don't know what's different because, uh, like I, I like that movie. I'm not a huge fan, so I, I don't own any of it. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I, I got to pick and choose. I'd rather have some shitty slashers on my uh, shelf. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, anything else, or? No, that's all I'll talk about this week. Okay. Next week we'll we'll get down to some uh, some devil's work. So you uh, you you talked about it like maybe a week or two ago, and I said, hey, I'm gonna finally go and really kind of delve back into it because I'd started a little bit and then kind of just trailed off. Uh, but in this last week I watched the uh, first season of Veep and everything, and it was just as good as I remember. So I'm gonna continue yeah. on with that. But uh, I, I I love the show. I love all the people that are on it and everything. And it's just I, I want to make sure that this HBO account doesn't go to waste. <laughs> I'm not just throwing yeah. money out the window every month, you know? Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, that series is fantastic. Uh, so uh, I got that. Um, I watched uh, watched the 30 for 30, uh, Believe Land. I believe the title is about how Cleveland just kind of always eats the shit in uh, sports for so long. They finally won a championship uh, for basketball there, so they got to feel at least a little bit better about that. So they're off suicide watch for at least, you know, 365 days. Well, until football <laughs> season starts and they'll want to kill themselves again because, frankly, they live in fucking Cleveland. Sorry if we have any Cleveland listeners, but you you and I both know that's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've been to the Cleve. It's uh, you know, they're like, "Oh, it's it's, so- it's it's better than Cincinnati." That's true. I'll give them this much though, man, as, as much shit as I I give everybody from Cleveland and Ohio in general. Um, there's some of the most loyal fucking fans out there. Like their teams like by and large fucking suck and they just they stick by them man. They still love them with all their heart and soul and they're like maybe we'll win 3 this year. Yeah, that shit is crazy. It's like uh 
it's like they like every team is the is the pirates and all of them live in pittsburgh yeah. that's that's what they're what they're like that fandom in cleveland like every fucking team is terrible and always will be or has been i mean maybe not will be but there's no fucking money there now so they will be for the foreseeable future uh and yet uh rabid fucking fans so i say good on you I don't have any uh, skin in the game because I don't fucking watch any of that shit. Uh, so good. I'm glad you exist. You're not in my <laughs> conference, so I don't really care. But <laughs> but okay, I kind of wish you were because we fucking whoop that ass every year. I know that much. and You, you know it's true, too, Browns fans. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, that, that was a good one. Um, I probably watched a couple other things. Those are the only ones that kind of really stuck out. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. All right, what, what do we want to do first here? Uh, let, let's go on and knock out Tarzan, and I mean that uh, not figuratively. All right, here is the trailer for our first new release review of the week, The Legend of Tarzan. The jungle consumes everything. Praise on the old, the sick, the wounded. It preys on the weak, but never the strong. He is no normal man. He was thought to be an evil spirit, a ghost in the trees. No man ever started with less. He's Tarzan. You're Jane. He'll come for you. Was a trailer you for are Lord of the Apes. Oh, whatever. All right, I'm cutting that out. Too late. You're too late, Sam Jackson. It doesn't he matter. He is Lord of the Apes. He's Lord of the Apes. You're the Tarzan. That's my good. That's a good Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, here's the IMDb plotline. Tarzan, oh. ha having uh, uh, acclimated to life in London, is called back to his former home in the jungle to investigate the activities at a mining encampment. This is uh, starring Alexander Sarsgaard, uh, the aforementioned Samuel L. Jackson, Margot Robbie, Jimon Huntsu, and Christopher Waltz. Uh, Christoph Waltz, rather, excuse me. Uh, directed by David Yates, who uh, many will know directed the last couple of Harry Potter films and everything. Uh, so with that pedigree, man, uh, you would think, oh, this this movie's probably going to be pretty decent. But here's the problem that no one thought about. Um, no one fucking wants to see a Tarzan movie. No one cares. Just because you have the rights to a property doesn't mean people give a fuck. I want to see a Tarzan movie. I just don't know if it's this Tarzan movie. Because I, I like Tarzan. <laughs> It's some I look, it's problematic as shit, right? It's a fucking white savior narrative. It's fucking colonialist bullshit. It's got all these issues. 
uh i don't like i want to see it this movie is not the tarzan movie that i want to see i didn't hate the whole thing but it is uh it has significant problems uh one of which is that there are large chunks of the film that are just fucking boring i i think i'd call that the movie well, yeah, but I mean, like, there are things like as somebody who who uh, like ha- has a love for the the character of Tarzan, right, or like the weird mythos of it, and it does get fucking weird in movie history. Um, there are things that I like and I'm attracted to, but it's couched in a whole bunch of uh, like not very interesting stuff. It manages to waste uh, four major actors, and. Um, it feels like i mean it's a sequel to a movie that we never got to see and so it's just like i have no real emotional investment in it yeah because i mean we're we're going after tarzan after he's kind of been out of the jungle and everything so we start with him uh in the civilized world he's wearing a suit he's going to visit people in a home he's drinking tea and shit and it's like yep. well motherfucker i mean we don't even get to see i mean we get to see kind of like a little uh Batman Begins prequel, if you will, at the beginning of the thing, but that's, you know, what, two minutes and he's not even an adult. He's just a child. You see his uh-huh. you know, parents, you hear about his parents being murdered and shit, and he's just being brought up by apes. Cut to, you know, 30 years later, he's sitting behind a desk in a fucking gentleman chair, fucking drinking on some tea, talking to politics to motherfuckers. They're like, you got to go to the jungle, bitch. Well, I don't know that I mind that as much as the like what makes it not work for me isn't that it's, you know, not the Tarzan origin story because I don't need that shit. I don't We've either, got but a ton of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the entire plot crux of this film, right, the entire crux of the plot uh, is predicated on events that have happened sometime in between that origin story and now right. that we get glimpses of that look far more interesting than the movie we're actually watching. Mm-hmm. And that's the real problem for me. Like I would rather just watch that like middle chapter of Tarzan Jane in the jungle uh, before moving back to the UK to England. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and see that chapter play out and then maybe get this whole thing that's couched in, uh, you know, Congolese politics and, and, uh, uh, King Leopold's uh, hold over it and and all of that because it's kind of a mess. Uh, it doesn't play particularly well as a sequel or a franchise starter. Mm-mm. And uh, I th- I think we're gonna. I mean, we may get another one of these things, um, but I have no idea why. It I, has, I would, it has I not made a ton of money. Um, this thing cost about 180 million, and I think its uh, worldwide gross is right around 75 or so for after this weekend. That's that's, that's a pretty big bomb. Yeah, um, I don't know. And it sucks it, because, it, like I said, like like we've said, there's talented people all in this. And yeah, uh, I mean the like four, from the all four lead actors, right? It, it, like beyond beyond some of the smaller uh, roles who are just fine, right? But like uh, the the big names are Samuel L. Jackson. Right. You got Christoph Waltz, you got Alexander Skarsgård and you got fucking Margot Robbie. And the movie just wastes all four of them on nothingness. Yeah. The second that you start to see like Christoph Waltz, like have a little bit of something, then it just goes away. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, well, here's a tease. Here's a little bit of something that's coming down. Ah, never mind. For fuck it. Forget it. Let's just not let's not talk. Well, about I, that. it's almost like there's too much story going on. 
Yeah. And so it doesn't allow you any time to figure out the characters or why you should give a shit about them. And that's a major problem. And, and it's weird because it's a giant leap of everything because there's like there's great CGI and then there's awful CGI. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, some of the I mean, not all of the scenes uh, are like this, but some of the later uh, jungle swinging portions of this movie are like almost uh, Matrix Revolutions, Agent Smith level shit. Yeah. There's like the Buffalo Stampede looks like fucking, you know, 1990. Oh, uh, you know what that reminded me of? Uh, like just the quality of the CG and how it's uh, like they couch it or they cover it up in, in this like weird uh, like uh, dust uh, storm. Sharknado. That, right. Well, no, it, re- it reminded me of uh, how shitty the Lone Ranger looked when it was doing that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, like it, it's all this like dust particle effect that they think is covering up really poorly rendered CGI, <laughs> and and it's not. It actually is drawing my attention even more to it, um, because because I'm like, why is there so much fucking dust? Uh, they're just buffalo stampeding, right? And um, it looks awful. It's just like sometimes. I mean, there's a reason. But the apes look fine, <sighs> the right? Apes look and really so it's good like, in most cases, yeah. I so, mean, it's not so it's quite just Planet really of the Apes weird, calls. right? It's like I don't know if those if there were different. I mean, often this is the case uh, when there are like discrepancies. Like, there's another production house that's doing sequence X, yeah, and and so their animators are in charge of that shit. And sometimes you end up with a production house that like the reason they got hired to do that sequence is because you were running out of budget money and they were the ones that did the low bid. Yeah, and if you if you don't have somebody on there who's like and and I'm not taking away from David Yates here, maybe more in the special effects uh, supervisor, whatever. When you don't have somebody that's on it, uh, it, it ends up like this. Whereas like somebody that you know, like in the Transformers movies, they use like 15 different houses for everything. There's a consistent look everywhere mm-hmm. because you know that you know. I mean, say what you will about the man. Michael Bay's got a good eye for shit, and he wants things to look as best as they possibly can at all times. Yeah. And and that's why everything in those movies always looks exactly consistent with the other stuff that's there because that's somebody who doesn't compromise on this. This seems like well, there's a lot and of that, compromise. And that's the reason that those budgets are uh, like ballooning up to about two hundred and fifty million, right? Very because true. he pays for every bit of that fucking work to be done by and over and or overseen by, meaning that they're doing the direct contracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, over at uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Well, and that's why he bought Digital Domain. So yep. he can sit there and just go, these are my people, and I'm going to get the best people to do what I want them to do, and I'm going to make them fucking do it. Uh, yeah. But David Yates, uh, you know, he, he comes from a world where he's had plenty of money to do plenty of stuff, and you'd think would have a little bit more, but I, I don't well, know where it fell short. Well, look, I, I'm not going to lay any blame. The movie is well-directed, right? Just like it's well-acted. There's just not any there there to give a shit about. It's it, As we've said, it's pretty boring. Some of the CG is shoddy. I don't think that's a director problem because he, I mean, this guy directed the back half of the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think if anything, he, he knows how to make a big, big budget, uh, special effects blockbuster. Um, and his, his work on TV, quite frankly, like puts him in a, in a tier where I don't even think he should be making this shit. He should be making like really serious stuff and getting better, uh, jobs that aren't just like here, uh, you know, tell us some fantasy stories. Um, 
but uh, here he's just, he's just wasted. The material's not that great. Um, and it, the thing fe- is, it feels the writers. It's a huge letdown. The writers are people that are like you know have some good things under the belt. Adam uh, Kozad uh, he did uh, the Jack Reacher, uh, Shadow, whatever the fuck the name was uh, for that flick. And Greg Brewer's actually you know written some some decent flicks and everything with uh, with Black Snake Moan and Hustle and Flow. So I mean the guy's got you know. That we got there's a lot of talented people on board here. It's just shit just oh, yeah. didn't Look, fucking I mean, like, coalesce right. Well, here's here's what I think happened. And and like I like I really like Craig Brewer uh, a whole lot. Like Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan um are uh two of my favorite movies of, of the past 15, 20 years, easily. Uh Black Snake Moan in particular is is kind of like a a, a small miracle of filmmaking. Um but uh I think what ended up happening is that uh, like Craig Brewer did a pass on this screenplay because like there are more people uh, that uh, yeah. are cre- credited, right? Like Adam Kozad and, and Craig Brewer uh, have both story by and screenplay credits, but I, I would be willing to bet that after they turned in their script, somebody did a really shitty editing polish on it. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, because because Didn't I change do enough think- to get a credit though. Right, exactly. It's the it's the um, same situation that happened with, uh, like, uh, fucking the writing credit on Incredible Hulk, right? Where yeah, like, like Edward ex- Norton came in and rewrote the whole fucking thing, but it was it was just under whatever the uh, Writers Guild said. Yeah, we didn't change really. Credit, we didn't really right? change names. We didn't really change locations or action set pieces. But you changed enough dialogue to where it, it didn't quite count as you writing writing. Right, and reason. so I would not. Uh, I would not be surprised to find out that somebody had come in to uh, quote unquote fix the script and they actually ended up making it worse. Yeah. You know what looks interesting though? <clears throat> and I finally saw the good full trailer for it this week. T- saw a teaser trailer uh, previously, but kind of makes you think when th- this thing starts, it's like, fuck me. Are we, do we have another Tarzan flick on our hands here? And it's the trailer for Pete's dragon, which I got to say uh, for a movie yeah. that I was not looking forward to, I'm kind of looking forward to that movie. I wasn't looking forward to it either because I actually really like the uh, the the original film. Oh, I do too. Um, but this one looks fun. I'm I was really shocked at how I'm like, oh wow, this might be this might be something special. It might be a great trailer, but it might be something special. I don't know. But uh, this movie just just it, it bored the shit out of me. I really wish there was something there. And like I said, I, I think we got just a literal boatload of talent. Uh, that just kind of it didn't all coalesce properly. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. So, all right, uh, what? Let's what? see. You want to do? Let's do. Uh, let's do a uh, purge next here. Yeah, let's roll with it. All right, here is the trailer for Purge Election Year. Morning, announcing the commencement of the annual purge. This July, have your voice be heard. I purged. I purged. Show your support. I purged because it's my civic duty. For the purge. I purge because staying in is an American. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge. 
The soul of our country is at stake. The Senate is going to win. She's going to make real changes. The purge has to come to an end. At the siren, all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 hours. Senator, let's begin lockdown. All emergency services will be suspended. Your government thanks you for your participation. We're going to use this year's purge to do something about that, Senator. We're being hunted. Go, go, go! We are on our own. My God. How did I get to this? What you doing outside on purge night, Senator? Come with us. There are threats everywhere. There's death everywhere. Y'all need to see this. We have one goal. Survival. Keep my country great. All right, that was the trailer for The Purge Election Year, a second new release review of this week. I'm DB Plotline. After years, or, or years after, rather, uh, sparing the man who killed his son, spoiler alert, IMDB, former uh, police sergeant Barnes has become the head of security for Senator uh, Charlie Rowan, a presidential candidate targeted for death on Purge Night due to her vow to eliminate the purge. This is written and directed by James DeMonico, starring Frank Grillo, Elizabeth Mitchell, uh, Michael T. Williamson, Joseph uh, uh, Julian Sora, and my mom tries to call me on my fucking iPad. That's no good. And uh, Betty Gabriel. Uh, so uh, I, I, I thought the first Purge movie was okay. Yeah, didn't I uh, wasn't super super in love with it. I thought it was pretty good up until the end. Just didn't quite hit it for me the way that it could have should have. Uh, the second one, which I had not watched until uh, just before this one, I enjoyed. Kind of like brings it out outside of the kind of one locale. That yeah, that the first was my big was. problem with the first one. Is I wanted more of like what's going on outside. Yeah, and it was such a low budget thing and made its money back in spades. This is a Blumhouse production for all these flicks and stuff, and they're good at getting movies under budget and uh, you know delivering and making a decent back end profit on everything. And so, uh, this is their third one. Uh, that James DeMonico has done, and so he's kind of been the helmer for all of these things. And uh, I, look, I'll go off and say this. If, if you like the Purge movies before, uh, there's a lot more of the same. And if you if you dig that, great. If you don't, maybe this isn't the film for you. But I, I got to say, I, I like this movie. I thought it was, I yeah, thought it was a fun Yeah, this is the film time. for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think like there's some really smart, uh, provocative, horror filmmaking going on here uh it's it's kind of taking the john carpenter formula a little bit uh you know you you inject a little bit of uh politics and commentary and social commentary into the situation you uh 
ramp up some action, a lot of siege uh, sort of sequences. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got people out on the streets when everybody's hostile to them. I mean, I mean, this is it's like Escape from New York in like uh, a horror scenario. Yeah, put right? it put it in a dose uh, without, of crazy. without a real badass. I mean, Frank Grillo's uh, like character gets uh, gets a little bit right. Leo's a little bit of a badass, but he's not exactly a killing machine. But I will say this though, watching uh -huh. this, I'm just going. Yeah, no, now he is he's Marvel's crossbones, and he he's yeah, hinted that he may be coming back, but. I look at this and I'm just like, fuck, you really could have been a great Punisher. Yep. Really good. I, I had the same thought after Purge Anarchy. In fact, before they uh, they announced uh, that like follow-up season and who was going to be playing him, like, I was pushing like Frank yeah. Grillo, even though he had already been in Captain America and yeah. shit. He'd have, been a he'd have been a great Punisher, I think. John Barenthal's doing great with what he's doing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, I really like him. I'm just saying, like, he, you, like you watch these two movies, especially back-to-back, -back, and you're like, yeah, that's fucking Frank it's Castle. It's like, yeah, dude, that's so so who this guy could be. So, I mean... So, uh, I know. really, in this movie, like, really liked him and, and Elizabeth Mitchell, who uh, who I, I liked in Lost, mm -hmm. um, and, and who's been kind of all over the place. Uh, she She's currently in Dead of Summer, which is, like, a teen slasher series uh, on freeform tv which is formerly the uh abc family or whatever the fuck yep um and then uh she's i mean she's been all over the place i remember uh, a very um uh let's say youthful impression being made on me uh with her various sex scenes in gia with uh angelina jolie back, oh, <laughs> back in the day adam got a lot of use out of <laughs> um, that movie if you dig where i'm going but uh but uh elizabeth mitchell is is really terrific here um and uh, I also want to give a shout out uh, to uh, my favorite character in this thing, uh, Joe, who was the bodega owner, the deli mm -hmm. owner, uh, played by Michael T. Williamson, who everybody probably remembers as uh, Bubba from yep. uh, Forrest Gump, but who also very recently was a complete and total badass in um, in the TV series Justified mm -hmm. as uh, Elston Limehouse, kind of this... Uh, you know, uh, he, he was the black crime lord in Kentucky, and he was pretty fucking amazing in that series as well. He had a good uh, stint on uh, 24 and stuff as well, and he's been in, like, Black yeah. Dynamite and stuff like that. He's He's been in a lot of stuff, but, I you know, like, everybody remembers him as Bubba yeah, for I mean, some it, fucking it, reason. That's the role. I mean, I know everybody likes that movie. It's whatever. Um, but <laughs> You're more of a get-rich-die-trying kind of guy. Uh, I'm more of a, like, let's, let's not have really weird, uh, baby boomer white people politics overshadow what was going on in the sixties and seventies kind of shit. Man, he's also in, I didn't realize he was in all these fucking movies, man. He's been in, well, so he's many. in Con Air, Con Air species too. Uh -huh. <laughs> pretty awesome. Um, so he's, you know, yeah, he's like, that guy. like I, I remember him in Con Air. He's a pretty badass guy in there too. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. Michael T. Williamson. And uh, also, uh, wa want to say, I really thought that, um, uh, like, Terry Serpico as the, like, neo-Nazi hitman um, was really fucking good at making me really hope that he got shot the fuck up by uh, Frank Grillo. <laughs> Let me ask you this. That's a hard job to make you, like, hateable, but also, like, a compelling character. And I, I think he delivers. Yeah. Let me ask you this: what, what did you think about Michael T. Williams' character? Because I've heard some, I've heard some complaints about his character. Um, I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine, fine. too. I don't know. Like I hear, 
people sensitive, you know, touchy touchy people that are just like, oh yeah, sure, okay. I mean, that's fine, but uh, but I was also in. Uh, I mean, I like I was in a theater that was it was me and a bunch of black people. Yeah, and and they fucking laughed their asses off and with what, him and thought that he was a badass when he started shooting motherfuckers. And I gotta say, I agree. Like, like he's playing a character uh, that is that is borderline caricature. Um, but, but here's the thing. Let me ask you something, Matt. But because the movies are all about like uh, like racial politics, and I gotta say, this movie really is like like black characters. They're the main characters for yeah. the huge bulk of this movie. But here's the thing, people though. You know that guy, right? We all do. Yeah. Like yeah. people, pe- I, 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 like I some of these him. people, I just go, I go. Do you have black friends? Because some of the, because it feels but, like lily white people get scared. But of I just think going, it is important to note, right, that that the the problem that people have in situations like this is not that these types of people don't exist in real life. The problem that they're pointing out, and it's a real one, uh, and and I've mentioned it on the show before, and just keep this in mind, it's never about there aren't people like this. It's always about what is the percentage of characters like this that are in films overall, right? Fair enough. Um, It's like whenever I teach this in class, right? Like there were black people all up in classical Hollywood movies, right? They were all over the place. There were tons of black actors and actresses. The problem isn't uh, that that there aren't people being employed or that there weren't people who were slaves and mammies and butlers and all this other shit. The problem is that in 98% of the movies that were coming out, those were the characters that we were getting with black people as the characters. True. Now, but here's and, my and, thing. And that's the same thing now. So I'm not saying that that I feel like this personally is this, but I also like I'm a white dude. I don't I don't really get a say as far as if I think this is not potentially offensive in that way. Um, well, everybody's offended it, by everything, so that much I already know. But well, except except we get to say that because we're white. Mm. It's I, true. I can say because I'm a human being because not, everybody's offended. No, like, you get to say that because you're white no, and don't no, no. turn. No, you bring this up and you're gonna have to deal with me talking to you about it. You get to say that because you are a white person. Not because you're a human being. The fact that you get to tell me it's because you're a human being is because you're a white person. All right. I mean, it's, those, the, those, it's the truth, man. Like, no, just no, read as about you see it. it, I get it. But I understand. I understand that's how a lot of people view it. I, I don't. But that's. I don't. I don't either. But I also am not going to say that they're wrong for viewing it that way. Maybe, but here's the thing. I can say I don't. But I look at this then character. I can get told that I'm wrong by somebody who experiences the negative effects of. The proportionality of this well, so, being so the portrayal let me, of let me, films. Well, let me couch it in this because I, I look at this character and I go, "This is a guy who's a successful guy. He's pulled yeah. himself up from nothing. He's and and he decides because because a company, an insurance company, fucks him over the night before purge and says, "Oh, by the way, we're not gonna we're gonna double your rate for your uh, purge, uh, you know, coverage. So when people come in and fuck up your shit, we're not gonna pay for anything. And and that sounds like something that would fucking happen." And yep. and he just goes, you know what? I'm not taking this shit. I built this place from the ground, fucking up with my hands and everything. And I'm going to defend this place from jackholes that are going to come in here and try to fuck this place up. I mean, right. I see this character as a fucking hero. And you know, yeah. Well, and I think the film is clearly positioning him that way, right? But uh, aside from plot, if people take issue with with how he behaves and some of the way he talks, 
Uh, and, and like I said, the people in my screening were laughing uh, and, and whatever, but I can't tell everybody that they can't uh, find elements of that portrayal offensive because it still is like uh, indicative of very, very obvious problems in our culture that are still all predicated on race. And a lot of that is because of we have these media portrayals that are so disproportionate one way versus the other. And that and that's where people are coming from. And I just think it's important to keep that in mind. So when somebody tells you that something is offensive, it's not that they're being too sensitive. It's that they every single day as a person of color or a no, no, woman, these are all white people right? that are complaining about this, mind you. Oh, I don't know. They, I no, I do. The ones but, that I'm talking about but, are all what white I'm people. saying is where the complaint comes from is that space, even if it's other white people. It is that understanding of how media does this, and it does do it. Right. I mean, it, like, if you if part of the reason that the civil rights problem went on for as long as it did before we started legislating it, before we could even get people on board with legislating for civil rights, which uh, had to happen because people just had already legislated against it, as we discussed last week in our review of Free State of Jones, right? was because uh, the portrayals of African-Americans in films changed slightly, just enough to get people to see, hey, maybe they're not all ignorant fucking rubes uh, who are only capable of wiping our children's asses and cleaning our uh, houses for a living. Mm -hmm. and, that's and that's where change comes from. Now I want to I want to shout out uh, I want to say her name uh, I th I think this is the girl and it's tough to say because you know in her in her press photos she looks you know all dolled up and good looking and stuff as as one does in their uh, headshots and whatnot uh -huh. but I think it's uh, Brittany Marble who's like the the young girl that's oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. In school outfit. The, like in the in the trailers if you've seen them she's the one that has the big white mask on. Yeah, the big uh, thing says princess me on top outfit of it. kind of thing. Oh my gosh! So this car, I, it looks like it. You you know better because you drive one. It's that's a Prius all covered up in lights. Yeah, uh, it looks like if it's it. it's, I, it's either that or like a Scion or something. Something like, like that. that. It's a Toyota. <laughs> we know that much. Uh, but it's all just decked out in these like and like just every inch of it has like these white they're, Christmas lights on it. Yeah, people it looks will like say giant, they're Christmas lights, but we all know that they're white trash backyard lights. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that you put right over like bushes and stuff because they're just the too, white ones. Because you're too goddamn lazy. You're just like I'm gonna throw this net over this and that'll be fine. <laughs> but it looks like a giant ball of fire coming down the street, and it's that's a really good visual, man. And that's why we played the Miley Cyrus song because there's a warped version of that uh, when they're coming out. And these girls are fucking scary as shit. Oh my yeah. gosh, she is like this girl specifically. She is just she is a fun up performance. The scenery man. and it's so great. She reminded me of uh, what's his name in the first film, who I didn't quite like, um, but you know the the main rich kid who everybody was like, oh, he should be the Joker on Gotham, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget um, that cat's name. Uh, in any case, she reminded me of that, except I enjoyed her performance more. I felt like she was actually having fun with it, not just like, I'm trying to be evil. Yeah, it just looked like, I mean, it looked like a person who's, who's uh, you know, she was on the border, because we see her in the uh, in the bodega there, like, the day before, or the, a couple hours before everything, and she's trying to steal stuff, and, and, and Bubba Gump's going, hey, man, don't be stealing shit from here, just give me my stuff, and we're going to call Yeah, Bubba well, Gump of course, that's who shows up later, right? Of course, and then and then they come pulling up later, and, like, it is like the, the, the she's like, I'm going to get you, motherfucker, and then a couple hours later, the, uh, the, flip, the switch has been flipped, and she and her friends go 
bonkers and it's just like uh, out of a fucking mm-hmm. scary ass rock video and shit and they're going insane and it is fucking frightening yeah and yeah that we- that sequence uh is really damn good and then the way that they get handled is also really funny and the nice thing is is that we see it, that- it's a throwback kind of to uh to preacher the comic book yeah actually how how the how the day gets saved with and, uh, those and it's also fun because, like you know, speaking of Carpenter, it's a little. There's also a little Assault on Precinct 13 here as well going on. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of the things I had had in mind, right? The idea that you're locked in these places and people are just coming in for you. But that's there's a nothing nice part. You can do about it. Yeah, and that's the nice part too is that we're not stuck there, which is cool. We go out and then we get like you know you see it in the trailer, you hear it in the trailer there and everything. They end up going to this church who have kind of gone back almost you know kind of Old Testament style. Just gonna we're we're gonna go through and just <laughs> fucking blood. blood libels and we're shit. just gonna fucking <laughs> sacrifice people uh to to god or whatever weird craziness that they've got going on right now about how like we just have to kill the it was like it's fucking insane because this is the first year where they're like because back in the day it used to be like oh well politicians and stuff people of x level can't get you know it, you can't touch them but this year they lobbied to get that taken away well what kind of right, right because, because elizabeth this? mitchell is running her character uh senator roan is running for or running for president and it looks like she's going to win well she wants to get rid of the purge right so they all the all the rich whiteies who believe this fucked up religious shit don't want that to happen so they all vote and then they're like oh yeah by the way that's all taken away now take out anybody you fucking want holy shit and it gets creepy and it's it's pretty awesome i gotta say overall this movie it's it's a good uh i don't i don't know if fun's the right word but it's a it's it's pretty fun man uh, but it, it's a good, it's a good solid time at the movies, and for a like horror thriller, uh, it's it's really top of the heap right now. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 tomato meter score has gone down uh, in recent days, but for a little time, it was sitting in the seventies. Mm, yeah. Um, and I th- and I think that's you know now they're counting like all the people who don't watch a shit ton of movies because they work for like the city paper or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, but so. I think uh, <laughs> you know they 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 leave it as if if this as this movie could close out the trilogy or but they also leave it open for a spot. This as well. movie is coming back. So in six days, it has made more than the previous entry. Okay, then yeah, they're coming back uh, for another one. So they left yeah, the, they mean, left the door open. They, they this movie it. cost ten million, and it, and in six days, it's made forty three. Yeah, they they almost closed the door. It's just slightly ajar at this point. <laughs> well, you know what you know what's going to happen, right? So so not you know this isn't really going to give away anything because of course she's like the main character. She ends up like surviving and winning uh, the election, and. Uh, the last thing in the movie is uh, them reporting like, oh, now we have rioters uh, who are protesting the results of the election. So we know this is where it's going to go. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, um, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting path ahead for a franchise that has always kind of very smartly been um, political in an appropriate way uh, and pretty even handed. I mean, that trailer uh, is like it's it seems like it's pretty. I mean, it's playing on Donald Trump's candidacy, right? Like mm-hmm. the trailer is. But the movie really doesn't have anything to do with any of that shit. Not particularly, no. I mean, it's literally just about like uh, I mean, th- this is inevitable as a comparison since it's like, oh, there's a senator and she's a woman and she's running against this long established rich cabal of people who want 
uh, like poor people to suck dick or whatever. You y'all know, know y'all um, know Donald Trump ain't never been in no church. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I I don't know that. Uh, I don't know what type of church it's been. Oh, but, that's uh, true. That's true. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but in but in any case, uh, uh, you know the the movie is not like the trailer. The trailer very smartly, I think. Uh, is aping an, an ad campaign. And and I think that's fun um, because it does give you an idea of uh, like who's doing what in these movies. Like uh, like the weird white religious people, those are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And and that's a smart connection to make. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry if that offends some people out there, but like religious white nutbags, those are the bad guys, guys. Uh, that's a good lesson to take away into life, I think. I think from it's, this movie. Me, I just, I specifically just see it as government cronies, though. Though, though there are no black people in that church. Well, ex- <laughs> except like all the governments, like, like as we said, yeah, there's no black people. Well, there, I think there are maybe one or two, right? Yeah, that's it's like, too far between. But like, there's one or two black Republicans too, and we all know that shit ain't like. Oh, kosher. that's one of the best Key and Peele <laughs> sketches ever. So anyway, <laughs> the, the black Republican yeah, right? sketch is so fucking good. Yeah, because it's spot on. <laughs> anyway. All right, uh, let's get into the last one here. Here yes. is the trailer for the BFG. It was the witching hour when the boogeyman comes out. The girls say the witching hour arrives at midnight. I think it comes at three in the morning, when I'm the only one left awake, like now. hearing all the secret whisperings of the world. Rams. Sophie, hide. Does you have any super? <laughs> all 
All right, that was the trailer for our last new release of the week, the BFG uh, IMDb plotline. A girl named Sophie encounters a big, friendly giant who, despite his intimidating appearance, turns out to be a kind-hearted soul who's considered an outcast by the other giants because, unlike them, he refuses to eat children. This is uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by uh, Melitha, Melissa Matheson, uh, starring Mark Rylance, uh, Ruby Barnhill, uh, Penelope Winton, uh, Jermaine Clement, which... Like, it's one of those things, man, where I'm just like, the whole time that character is on screen because it's a CGI character, I'm just going, I know who this is, but I can't put my fucking finger on it. So, yeah. amazing fucking job by him. Uh, here's the thing. Same, same with uh, Bill Hader, who was uh, the, the blood bottler. Yeah. Giant. So, uh, there's there's a lot they, of people in this. And a yeah. Adam Goodley, who uh, is one of those guys who just like... He already looks like a CGI character, and I mean that in the best way. <laughs> That's true. Uh, because he's—I I like that guy. He's a—he's a good actor in everything that he's in, but he's—he's he's got a very unique look already. And then we kind of dial that up to eleven with a CGI character and stuff. Uh, so this is based on the Roll Doll book uh, of the same name. Now, Matt, were you? Did you have any uh, kind of backstory or anything with the uh, with the book? Were you had you read it? Are you a fan? Yeah. Well, I, I'm a big uh, Roll Doll fan, actually. Um, I read all of his books when I was younger, uh, or almost all of them when I was younger, a few when I got a little older. And uh, when Marsha and I started dating, actually, we um, like I got her almost all of them as a, as a collection. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, the BFG is a, a wonderful uh, little, uh, you know, short novel. I mean, it's a, it's a novel for kids, right? It's a children's book. Right. Like so many of Roald Dolls, although he did write novels for adults and they're quite good and funny and really dark as well. Um, so so I already like really liked this story. And uh, so going in, I had some idea of what I was going to be getting into um, because the trailer sells us a little something different. I think. It's very uh, it's as you kind of heard there, it's a bit vague. They kind of uh -huh. give you an idea of some stuff, but there's not really a whole lot of things. It's a very kind of visual uh, type of thing, and this was a uh, this was released in 3D and everything. I, I think we both saw it in 2D. Um, yeah, I was high, so it might as well have been 3D for me. Uh, but here's the thing, man. I, I did not go into this movie with any kind of real expectations. I'm a big Steven Spielberg fan. I've, I've gone on the record in saying it, is that mm -hmm. it sounds cliche and silly, but still my favorite director of all time. Still just yeah, I love Steven Spielberg. Something right? just I don't about know. the it's stuff my that favorite, he does. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm just a huge, huge fan, and, and I was just like, I'll be honest with you, and the, the kind of early reports and everything that I was hearing, I was just like, oh, crap, man, this might, not be, uh, this might not be great. I mean, people are going, oh, Steven Spielberg's fumbled the ball. Look what Steven Spielberg did. Upon watching this, I go, you know what the miracle of this whole thing is? Is that this movie got made, period. Mm -hmm. Because this movie is, I don't know how they can advertise this thing. Because it's very, very difficult to really pin down as to what <laughs> yeah. this thing is. Because it is all over the place in the well, best it, way. Yeah, well, it's it's a story about two characters, right? And how do you sell that to audiences who expect there to be like a big... Uh, fantasy struggle, right? Like if you, if it's a fantasy, but it doesn't have certain elements, people are going to be upset or not care about it. If it's a children's film, but it's also this uh, kind of weird character piece, uh, you know, people are not going to be uh, taken with it. Um, there's not really a villain in the movie. I mean, there are the there are the giants who eat people, um, but uh, like that's not right. Like there's not a real um, 
like pen, there's not a plot, right? There's not a plot involving them. It's not like, oh, we have to make sure that we stop the giants by midnight on Thursday right. or they're going to take over humanity's realm or whatever, right? Um, it's just this quiet, uh, relatively quiet, although there's uh, plenty of farting, um, <laughs> a lot of whiz popping, as they're called in the whiz poppers in the movie, right? Um, and and I honestly, I can't, like knowing the novel... And then also knowing the screenwriter, I can't say that I'm surprised by this mm-hmm. because Melissa Matheson is very famous for having written another Steven Spielberg movie. Do you little, know which one? Without little movie. Them? Don't know if you heard of it. It's called E.T. Made a little bit of money back in the day. Indeed. Uh, it, actually, E.T. actually has the longest streak for number one at the box office uh, out of mm-hmm. any movie that's out there. For those of you, that's a little kind of a fun hint for you. Yeah. A little fun fact. And. And and oddly enough, right, um, it is also like her screenplay for that film is pretty similarly structured to this one, mm-hmm. right? Because what's the um, plot of E.T.? Boy meets alien, alien gets sick, has to go home. That's the movie. That's the, yeah, I mean, that's the that's plot, That's the fucking right? movie. The bad guys are like, I don't know, like maybe it's adults Maybe it's government, but, like, but, like, but it's all this abstract. Really count almost. Right, it's well, it's just the abstract idea of hey, you should be nice as opposed to being mean, and you'll right. get further, right? And that's not really a compelling plot. It's a great story and a great moral to have. Uh, and and here it's a lot of the same, right? There's no, like like in ET, there is a chase scene at the end, but there's also a kind of a chase scene here at the end too, where they're, uh, following the BFG and Sophie, um, through, like back into the, the giant realm, mm-hmm. uh, with all these, uh, like helicopters so that they can take the giants and maroon them on an Island somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie is that crazy people. Here's the, thing. the movie is, it's really interesting because it, it's gorgeous looking, but it's, it's very different than anything Spielberg's ever done. Yeah, I mean, it's even different from Tintin, yeah. which is probably the closest visually. I mean, it has a little bit of that, but like Tintin was even more like this is much more highly stylized than Tintin was because there are um, real people in this one as well as the giant. So it's a it's a combination of everything of like kind of live action stuff, of green screen stuff, of CGI stuff. It's it's everything all in one. So it's a very it's an interesting thing. And I have to say. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about special effects uh, being used very effectively and looking damn good, uh, this is your comparison to Tarzan, everybody. Yeah. Like, go go and look at this thing and then go and look at Tarzan and you'll see what we're talking about. Um, I, the movie has made no money at the box office. I, I think it made, uh, I don't know, I don't even think it's cracked 40 million, right? Something like yeah. 28 Something yeah, like that, and like I said, we I, I box office movie. I, th- I think this is, I, like I said, I, I think it's amazing that it is is in existence at all. Because oh this, yeah, well they'd never make ET today. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that movie would never get made. Like, I, th- well, the only way it would get made is exactly how it did get made, and the exact reason that BFG got made. And it's because Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. still has a huge uh, cache of goodwill in uh, the industry. And so he says, I want to do this project. It's going to be, uh, you know, $150, $180 million. They go, okay, cool. You're Steven Spielberg. Yeah, they're like, oh, yes. Oh, oh, that's right. You're who you are. 
So we're going to make that happen. And here's the thing, man. I think people are making a real mistake by not seeing this movie. I, I really like it. I hear people saying it's boring. I think they're dead wrong with that. Uh, it's it's a movie. No, this of, movie is so good, man. Like I, like I went to see it tired, so there was a couple of mo- like uh, like late in the day after not having slept well the n- night before, and so there were a couple of moments where I had to like, you know, make myself perk up a little bit. But mm-hmm. like, it's not because the movie's boring, right? It, it's I think if you go in expecting a plot and there's not like this big plot mechanism going on like you got to save the world or some shit you got to go from uh, a to b to c to done oh shit you mean i have to like pay i have to pay attention to like what people are saying and doing in this thing god damn it it's the reaction i get when i show like movies from uh from the classic hollywood era to my students right they're just like this movie's boring it's like well no it's not like listen to, to the dialogue to that it. dialogue's fucking amazing yeah right like Okay, yeah, they're not having like shootouts every. This Howard Hawks movie's fucking boring. Yeah, right. Well, I have. I will say, I've never had a student say that a Howard Hawks or an Alfred Hitchcock movie is. Okay, good. There's a little. Uh, There's there's a little. I've never had anyone vocalize that. I've had them say it about a lot of other things, but, uh, but right, like, like that's the reaction I would expect if you go into this with certain expectations. But it's fucking good. This movie's great, actually. I like. I really can't stop thinking about it. Um, just some of the visuals uh the performances in it i mean uh not only is uh as to be expected uh mark rylance uh like absolutely amazing oh Um, i mean like now i'm not taking away nothing from the man's win for his oscar but frankly it should be for this movie oh dude i mean well that's the thing back-to-back spielberg movies and he has given some of the best screen performances i've ever seen and especially in the last few years and uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because he he's like the stage actor of his generation. And right? this young girl, he, he she's delivering the, too, man. But but that's what I'm saying. As good as he is, uh, Ruby Barnhill, who uh, plays Sophie, and I believe this is her uh, first big movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she was on a TV show last year, apparently. Um, but uh, she is really good as well. Uh, like I, I I thought she was fun. Uh, she knows and had like some interesting line delivery. Yeah, actually, she's as very opposed strong, to just very short yeah. in everything that she's doing, and like, and you know that this is like the smart girl in the orphanage who is you know kind of up for anything, and just while while trapped a little bit, also has kind of a, a worldly knowledge to a degree. And she, yeah, I mean, not well, she, of stuff. you know, she's a classic role doll protagonist, right? She's Charlie, or she's Matilda, or she's the. Ah, uh, fuck. What's his name in in the witches? Um, which, by the way, is my favorite Roald Dahl movie. Um, the witches is amazing. Uh, with Angelica Houston, you know, you know yeah, the yeah. one I'm talking about. I, yeah, I had been, sure. been a while. Uh, well, Nicholas Rogue directed that. But anyway, what is this? Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. What is this kid's name? Uh, Luke, I think, is his name in there. Uh, right. But this is just a classic Roald Dahl thing. The the smart, assured kid. Uh, is the protagonist because uh, if you've ever read Roald Dahl or if you've seen a lot of his his uh, uh, adaptations as films, um, it's pretty evident that Roald Dahl uh, doesn't think highly of children in general. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, like children are awful, and the ones that he likes, that he makes the stars of his stories, right, are always the ones who are uh, not spoiled fucking brats. True. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's very true. And, and are curious about the world 
as opposed to like all up in their own shit and all about me, 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 me. And so I really appreciated that that made a really good translation on the screen and that uh, Ruby Barnhill brought that to Sophie because I, I, I really did enjoy her performance here. But uh, Jesus, this movie bombed. I mean, yeah. it cost $180 million. I think it's made uh, just over 28 at this point. And that's a shame because I, I think I think people in the ages of like probably 6 to 11, maybe 12, 13 even, would probably fucking love this movie. Yeah, well, you know, the other problem is uh, Disney just two weeks ago opened a major movie that people are still going to see. Yeah, this is, I mean, like, especially, and this is the real big problem for me, is coming from Disney how much they bungled this shit. Because they don't, you, yeah, they don't, well, they don't the trip release, up like right? this, and and I don't know, uh, I don't know why it came out now. It's this weird. is a fall release, I think. This yeah. is the this is the Thanksgiving family movie. Yeah, this, you know, this does not belong in summer. It's it's too and, different. And I know, and I know that like Disney has other plans uh, for the fall release schedule, but this this is the one. This is the this is the family film that you release in the fall for the holidays. Yeah, this is like your October later even, but yeah, for sure. Uh, but here's my thing, man. So let me let me throw this by you because here's what I got out of this entire movie. Uh -huh. I want to see what you think. This movie to me. Because I, I think a lot of people will see this movie, and they may see a little bit of Spielberg in there, but for the most part, they won't see a ton of Spielberg. I think that they'll see other people. Because to me, this movie is Steven Spielberg's love letter to the generation of filmmakers that came just after him. I see a lot, a lot of other directors in this movie. I, I see the big, the big one, of course, will be uh, Peter Jackson. I see a lot of Peter Jackson stuff in here. I see a lot of Sam Raimi stuff in here. I see uh, a little bit of oh fuck me, I can't. There were like I wish I would have wrote them down, but there's I th oh of course by the time that we get over into the England category, it becomes a Wes Anderson movie. Um, this this feels like Steven Spielberg playing DJ on his greatest uh, directors that came just a generation after him. That's well, what this movie felt like to me. Well, it also way. feels a little bit like Steven Spielberg um, showing those motherfuckers how to do it. A little bit. Because I know that a lot of that stuff also just comes from their love of Spielberg and the same generation of directors. And it's kind of like, <laughs> it, feel, yeah, it's like an inception I, kind of thing. It's like, and we're I feel doing like you. it's just like, oh, so you guys took all of this stuff off of things I was doing. Well, let me uh, let me show you what I can do with it and flex in a little bit. Right? Maybe, but I but like I think he truly it, loves is, those guys. No, and, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like he's he's exercising a little more. You know, okay. like he he's got a little a little pep in his step because he's like, Hey, I learned some tricks. I see what you did with my stuff. Yeah. Now let me show you what I can do. Yeah. He's like, let me, let me kind of show you a version of what you do. That is a version of what that I do, which is interesting. While, while at the same time, I do feel like this is entirely a, uh, a Steven Spielberg, uh, film. Um, it feels exactly like a, like a classic era Spielberg. The right? sentiment We're is all like, in the right kind of places and everything. And, you know, and it, it doesn't annoy me like it does in some of those movies. Like I'm not a huge ET fan. Uh, because of very, I mean, various. Well, you're off problems. the show now, so. That's <laughs> but, but I'm not. Look, I don't dislike <laughs> the movie. It's just like if I think Spielberg movies, I want to watch over and over again. Uh, it's not that, and I don't give a shit about the Goonies. Um, How dare because you? I, 
because I want to fucking watch Gremlins, which was also a Spielberg project that he brought Joe Dante onto. You see what I'm saying? But yeah, like, like, like there guys, are other sensibilities yeah, that, that. that come into some of that stuff that I'm like, oh, Gremlins is better than this for me because it's a little darker. It's a little more cynical about the world. Sure. And and when Spielberg is doing that sort of thing, um, I I feel like in that era that um, that I'm I'm right there with him, right? So the Indiana Jones stuff I really loved as a kid, especially Temple of Doom, uh, which is still my favorite one. Uh, Empire of the Sun, which is a, a film that I saw not when it came out because I was too young, but I saw when I was very young. Um, I always liked that Spielberg a little more than like the straight up sentimentalist Spielberg. So E.T. has always kind of fell fell into fallen into that uh, realm for me. But I feel like BFG uh, kind of nails it just enough um, for me to really get on board with what's going on here. If that makes sense. I'm not an E.T. hater. Don't fucking, you know, kick me off the show for He's this shit. He's a monster. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like when it comes down to it, there are other movies that Spielberg had his fucking fingers in at the same time as E.T. that I would rather watch all the time because my fond childhood memories are those movies, not E.T. and and Goonies, right? Which he, which which was also a him project with uh, Donner on it, right? That's what they do. All right, yeah. well, that's it, everybody. So this is a go-see. Yeah. Go fucking see this movie. Yeah, do I don't think it's favor. out in the U.K., but, uh, you know, the U.K. is not going to make a, a, a fucking... Uh, hundred and forty million dollar windfall contribution here so uh but do, do your part marty get two tickets it's go. got a snappy version of your queen in it i like it oh yeah man i didn't even talk about that shit uh but that yeah that stuff's good that whole sequence is good i it's uh, it, it's so bizarre it just out there and like i just spent the whole movie just going like what what is going on here what mm-hmm. is this new thing that you're you this is all insane and i loved it it's yeah. really, really good that way. Uh, so next week, everybody, we got two new releases coming on the dock here. The Secret Lives of Pets, the new one. Is this is who's this from exactly? This is not. This is Universal, yeah. Or is this- yeah, it's it's the yeah. Well, it's um Chris. Uh, what's his name that did uh, Despicable Me? Renaud, I think, or something like that. I can't pronounce I don't, that I don't know if it's and of course Mike no. and Dave need wedding dates. Uh, you know the new kind of R-rated comedy. Yeah, Chris which, which were uh, which I think I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, I think that movie looks funny. Uh, I hope that it can keep it for at least an hour of what will be an hour and a half film. <laughs> true, true. Like, like I want it to if, like if it can stay funny for a solid hour before having to devolve into plot machinations or <laughs> or like getting too old as a as a thing, I'll be happy with it. Yeah, it's one of these things I look at it and I'm like, well, I like all the parties involved, so. I like I look I like all the parties involved. I really like a uh, a really amazing uh, uh, sex raunchy sex joke. Yep. Uh, full of fucks and shits and uh, dildo commentary. Um, give it to me. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be uh, we'll be reviewing those movies and uh, maybe some other stuff next week as long and, as movie and Pass Lucifer. I'll be here. D- uh, that that one's going out for. Uh, for uh, a special listener, he knows who he is. Ooh, who's been been harassing me on Twitter to actually watch the. Hey theme everybody, for this one's going out for you. <laughs> Here's Lucifer. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith, and I'll uh, be on there. 
And uh, also, go over and uh, finally watch like the first six episodes of Preacher and give us a goddamn listen over at Preacher Podcast. Because there's some good stuff there. It's the most successful thing that we're doing podcast-wise and everything, so we appreciate all those who've listened. Uh, and those of you that have come over here from there, and we know there are some of you, thanks for that, and uh, thanks for listening and downloading all that stuff. And, uh, you know, if you got a chance in two seconds in your day, hey, man, drop one down to iTunes. Give us a five-star review because it's been a while since we've had one of those. Or drop us an email at thefilmfind at gmail.com. That's it, everybody. Next week, until then, when we talk about those other two flicks and, hey, maybe some more shit. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. Take it easy, everybody. people are really i'm so sad that this bfg is not making money man i look i like uh spielberg um does not always Uh, deliver a huge box office that's true i think he'll be okay though (laughs) he'll look he'll be fine did you see that stupid fucking think piece uh i don't i forget who published it um who gives a shit it doesn't matter uh but like it was like oh is spielberg uh like is his power waning because he can't deliver a box office hit it's like i don't fucking know man bridge of spies made a shit ton of money uh for what it was one mark Mark rylan said fucking oscar yeah well and on top of that like steven spielberg could make 10 movies that didn't make a fucking profit and you know what he's still gonna get to make a next movie because uh He's Steven fucking Spielberg. You you don't give us forty years of great filmmaking and then we just and and you shit the bed twice and we go ah you're off the charts forever. No, he but he hasn't even shit the bed, man. Well, in, like that, that's silly the craziest thing, right? Like like um, I mean like like Br- Bridge of Spies, right? Uh, cost significantly less than BFG. It was forty million bucks, but yeah. it, it made seventy two domestically, right? Lincoln, for fuck's sake. Okay, Lincoln for that movie is a bunch of fucking politicians standing around inside inside of offices and talking about shit for two and a half hours. Hey, he sits outside at one point. 
look, I'm not faulting what the movie is, but like, if you want to break it down, it's like that movie is that literally that's what it is. Right. Is fucking politicians sitting around and talking about shit for two and a half hours. And that movie made 275 million fucking dollars on a 65 million dollar budget. So, so I don't really give a fuck what BFG makes or anybody's stupid argument about it. Warhorse, which nobody fucking saw, made a hundred million dollars over what its budget was. Yeah, and, right? and like I don't, I don't know anyone who saw that movie in theaters, and yet it made a hundred and seventy million dollars. Exactly, and that's why I think <laughs> they really bungled this by putting it out at the time that they did. And I gotta oh, lay this, at sure. the, I gotta lay this at the hands of Disney, man. Yeah, it's a poor schedule, man. It's a poor scheduling decision. But, but I, because, God, because God, that like movie's it. fucking great, BFG is great. Yeah, it's, like, it's really good. Like, I'm going to buy that fucking movie when it comes out. I liked it that much. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's it's like and here's the thing, too, is like you could really watch it in, in pieces even because it's yep. very, it's very vignette in a way, in, but in a good way. But like but it still all adds up and you're just like, oh, well, exactly. here's this piece and we're done. Then we move on to the next piece. Here's that piece. Boom. That piece is done. Then we move on to the next one. And in a way, it's kind of it's oddly comforting. Yeah. To where it's just like, oh, okay, well, we finished that little bit. Now we're on to the next little bit well, of the story. It, do, it does the thing that Tarzan doesn't do. It gives you a reason to give a shit about the characters. Mm -hmm. And it does it in, uh, like, real emotional depth. And I'd go so far as to say there's less uh, actual proper characterization in this story than there is in Tarzan. And yet you still care for the characters more. Because in Tarzan, they try to like kind of flesh stuff out and like try to let you know who these people are, and it just doesn't fucking work. We don't yeah. get like a giant backstory as to like, well, how long has she been in the orphanage, uh, you know, kind of system and everything, and really, where does the land of the giants come from? Were they exiled out to this part of the planet that's like off the map of even humans and things? Or we don't get that shit, and it's, and we don't need it either. And it's fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's great about it. It's like they just go, there's a little bit of explanation, but for the most part, it's not paid any mind to because you don't fucking need to. And I think that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, but, I think uh, so too. Yeah, I think I people I think people are missing out because I, I think especially for the younger set that's like, you know, too young, uh, that would be too old to like, you know, really young, silly shit and too old to like, you know, want kind of something with a little bit more edge. I think this is a good spot for those kids that are just kind of mm -hmm. right in that little odd middle territory of life where it's like, I don't want to be too kiddy, but I'm not, a, uh, I'm not, you know, big enough to, you know, go to bigger movies, so to speak. But uh, it's an enjoyable time. Get, fucking just go watch that shit, people. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah.